Hello and welcome to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio, the show that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger, and today we're talking about not just the good, but the great in entertainment. These aren't just your normal feel-good movies. We're trying to feel great. Jeff, how are you feeling today? You ready for this? Uh, I'm feeling okay. I'm That's, feeling good. That is less than great. Yes, you were Tony the Tiger there for a second, weren't you? I I tried. I want to feel great, though, which is why I'm excited that we're doing this show, because let's, I think just by talking about these movies, it'll bring a smile to my face, and I'll go from okay to better to good and then great. Let's see if we can get there in the the 56 minutes that we have. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll go on a journey with you. So now we've done a show similar to this a year ago. It wasn't feel great movies, but it was cleansing the palate. Do you want to talk about that show and how people can hear that one? I mean, yes. Yeah, so on screen cleaning, it could be argued that we talk about feel good movies every single week. That's but, true. But very especially right after Halloween last year, both of us were kind of feeling down. We were feeling bogged down by the serious nature of the world, which looking back to the bright, hopeful time <laughs> that November of 2019 was makes us feel silly. But, 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 but we did a show called Cleansing the Palette where we just, we, we wanted to, you know, shuffle off the seriousness or, or what are those things that you watch right before you go to bed so you don't have nightmares? And, and that was kind of our shtick then. Mm-hmm. And remember, you can listen to all of our past episodes by going to byuradio.org. There are over a hundred to choose from. We've been saying that for, I think, 10 or so episodes now. We're on like 109, 110. Yeah. (laughs) So it was a time to put aside, to take the bowl of Halloween candy off your gut, put that aside and go to the freezer and pull out those frozen green beans, heat those up and feel great again. That's what makes you feel good? Green beans? Frozen green beans? Oh, yeah. Frozen green beans. Okay. And some chicken. To each his own. Because chicken's good for you, too. We also talked about food in movies a couple weeks ago, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, if food is what makes you feel great. I think I am hungry, although I could also go for some more Halloween candy. I digress, because we're not talking Halloween candy, we're not talking green beans, but we are talking about movies that make you feel not just good, but great. And so... In a minute here, we're going to talk about entire genres of feel-great movies. And it should be noted that these are going to be very specific to our personalities and our our movie preferences. Our specific go-to sub-genres of other things. But before we get there, we're just looking at the movies in general that make us feel great. If there's some that you think are missing... Go back to that previous episode because b- before we started recording today, I scratched plenty off of Jeff's list because <laughs> he already spent a lot of time talking about them last year. So do go. If you're confused why we're not talking about Paddington 2 or if Jeff's not talking about Return to Me or Defending Your Life, if I'm not you know, singing the praises of Toy Story or Up, it's because we already did that. Uh, well, I don't really have anything left to talk about then. I'm feeling better already. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So let's start there because you you scratched off a couple of Pixar movies that would definitely be on my my list. It's interesting because I feel like for a time Pixar was certainly on a roll and everything they were cranking out was a feel great movie and really kind of a deep movie for what most people at first thought was, oh, they'd make kids movies. 
That's not really the case. Pixar is more than what meets the eye, right? Always. And even though their first film out of the gate was Toy Story, oh, you know, it's a kid movie because it's about toys. No, it's something everybody can relate to. But again, I digress because that's not the movie I'm going to talk about. But I am going to talk about another Pixar movie that was so monumental for me, um, not only because it was an amazingly good movie, but also because it completely uh, caught me off guard. I remember seeing the trailer for this movie and thinking, that looks lame. (laughs) And I was floored when I exited the movie theater bawling my eyes out. This is the first time I think I had recognized the ugly man cry in myself. Because when I saw this movie for the second time in movie theaters, I let out this ugly man cry that probably sounded a little something like this. (laughs) And then I immediately looked around me to see if anybody had heard that weird, awkward noise that came out of me. And uh, So the, it's a Pixar movie that made yes, you cry. You haven't yes. narrowed it down at all so far. <laughs> it's a movie about family history. Who would have ever gotcha. thought that a movie about family history and would put me in tears? And music, the importance of music and the importance of telling each other stories so that our memories live on. It is Coco, and it is a feel-great movie, Cole. I agree, and and especially because when I first saw it, I wasn't thinking how weird it was going to be. I was thinking, I thought I already saw The Book of Life a couple years ago. This is very, very simple, but but leave it to Pixar to just blow us out of the water every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Man, is it weird that uh, more than half of the movies on my list are animated? Well, so I'm going to talk about unanimated movie here right now. Disney and Pixar seem to have the market cornered on this like feel good bubblegum pop, like easy movie to watch. But there's a a movie outside of that normal classic animation, honestly, with like a little bit harder of a theme, a little bit harder of a a place in time and, and a harder animation style even than the smooth, you know, eventually computer generated. It was right in that in between time. And I'm talking about the Iron Giant is oh, one that yeah. will make me feel good every single time because it's that class. Like some people go to E.T. for the boy and his dog story. But for me, it's the Iron Giant that just tells it the best with with seeing the innocence of something that isn't of our world being thrust into and having to see some of the worst we can be and then wanting to defend it anyway and fight for it and and fight and find the humanity in one innocent boy it's just such a beautiful story of of showing us what we can be like the heroes that we could be you know what's interesting speaking of heroes it's interesting how even heroes have big dreams about being something that maybe they're not right and you have this iron giant that you would think, man, he's got a monopoly on cool things, and who wouldn't want to be this giant that has all these powers, right? And yet he has big dreams of his own, and in a way, in the movie, he's able to uh, realize those dreams in a very satisfying, heartfelt way. Mm-hmm. And and music is going to come back later on and later on because there's moments at the end of I think every single movie I want to talk about where that musical (laughs) score can make me remember and as the giant is coming back together and we get this light whimsy just soundtrack behind it following each individual piece as they find their way back together is hope. You know what? I'm not talking about musicals now but 
every one of the of my picks in this conversation has music in it that is memorable that makes that uh, is a plays a big part in making these movies feel great movies and you know i think about toe tapping good times at the movies that uh, as a kid i just loved this movie and it's one that i would just fast forward to the musical scenes in it every single time and it's a movie that pokes fun at the catholic church but uh, hopefully not in an offensive way. I'm not Catholic, so I couldn't speak as to whether or not it's offensive. But Whoopi Goldberg going in a witness protection program of sorts as a nun who gets charged with uh, trying to pull together this ragamuffin team of nuns, this choir, and she turns them into this this toe-tapping wonderful Vegas show that she has so much expertise in. And uh, that last rendition of I Will Follow Him with, I think the Pope is in the audience too at that point, just really gets me every time. And so it wasn't a surprise to me when I was looking at feel great lists. And this is one that showed up again and again and again. There's a kind of way to look at feel-great movies. There's the ones that are just nice and fun the whole way through, and then there's the ones that drag you through the dirt before you can get to that yeah. moment of catharsis. Yeah. And, and what's worse than dragging you through the dirt is whatever it is that Andy Dufresne had to get through before he stands up in the uh-huh. rain at the end of the Shawshank redemption. If you want a redemption story <laughs> and and one that can make you, you know, believe in the power of the human spirit of what they can go through before you get a happy ending at the end, it would be this movie. You know, and I didn't have this one on my list, but uh, an, uh, another film that could certainly fit that description as well is Goodwill Hunting, which again, these are feel great movies even though as you said, it is kind of a downer until you get to the end, until you see the difference that has been made in these people's lives and how they've affected each other, the relationship between Robin Williams and Matt Damon. Oh, absolutely. Anything with Robin Williams can be a feel-great movie. Sure. Mrs. Doubtfire. Aladdin. For me, Jumanji. Aladdin, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Inter- and Redemption the- yeah. and uh, Good Will Hunting, we should note, probably not movies you want to sit down and watch with your kids but uh, at least not if they're not on TV, right? But uh, maybe not Shawshank Redemption either. That's a prison a prison movie, so maybe not. Um, interesting, Cole. You know, sometimes a performer can be so into the role, and you can tell this performer is having the time of their life, and I'm not talking about dirty dancing, I've that had the time of my life. it bounces right off the screen and just jumps right into your soul and you feel it and you feel great. And this is another one that comes to mind for me. It's one that I did not see in the movie theaters, although I wish I had. And you are just rocking out the whole time and you're loving the amount of energy that Jack Black is putting into his role in the film School of Rock or The School of Rock, depending on uh, who and when you ask, right? But Jack Black, just doing what he does best, high energy. He's a great performer. He's a really good singer. And we may be hearing Jack Black here in just a minute. But uh, Jack Black in School of Rock is just 
a feel-great performance in a feel-great movie. I talked about Kung Fu Panda in last year's edition of this. <laughs> I, I agree. There, there's certain actors that lend themselves to having this feel-great mantra. One that was on a lot of lists as as I tried to do my research of what other people consider the feel-great movie or the inspiring movie is Forrest Gump. Oh, um, yeah. Certainly, right, as he Forrest Gumps his way through just all of these moments and, and believing in this guy. Um, but it's another Tom Hanks performance that I want to highlight, and of course I'm going to highlight it. It wasn't even out yet when we talked about this show last year, but it is him playing Fred Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Absolutely. I completely agree. And what I loved about his performance in that movie is that he wasn't doing an impression, per se, of Fred Rogers. He was more or less in uh, inhabiting the uh, the spirit or summoning the spirit of, uh-huh. of Fred Rogers. So it was his own performance, and it was like one of the quietest performances that you'll see. Not since, you know, we've seen Mark Rylance win the Oscar for Bridge of Spies – um, have we seen a performance that just that's so humble and so quiet? And what's great about his performance in that is that just as I imagine Fred Rogers himself had the ability to draw people in and mesmerize you by his kindness and his goodness, Tom Hanks was able to do that. And I was just sitting in awe watching him on the screen thinking, yeah, uh, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, you know? And you don't have to imagine it because the documentary, which is Won't You Be My Neighbor, which sometimes I get the titles confused, but <laughs> but you can also watch that for a feel-good time. Or honestly, just go to YouTube or wherever you can find the original episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Always a feel-good time. The last place you're expecting to feel great is by seeing a movie that is based on a toy. And that was my experience with the Lego movie Ah. because it's another movie that caught me off guard. I thought, okay, we're just going to go see this this, uh, passable kids movie that it'll give me an excuse to sit in the movie theater with my kids and eat popcorn, right? I was not expecting this laugh-a-second laugh riot where the jokes – not unlike the Legos themselves, pile on top of each other in a very fit, uh, attractive way. And not only was it a laugh a minute, but it it was a story that involved a relationship between a father and his son and them coming together, putting, putting aside their differences and learning how to spend time together was enough to make me almost cry seeing the Lego movie. And it was definitely enough to make me feel great leaving the theater, especially while singing and dancing along to Everything is Awesome. The only thing better than feeling good or feeling great is feeling awesome. That's that's what the end of that movie does and for you. I appreciate how in the Lego movie 2, the second part, which is a great title, by the way, I appreciate that they've kind of come full circle and have realized, you know, that not everything is awesome all the time, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to make things awesome. Mm-hmm. I think if we could go with that song, Everything is Awesome, in our hearts more often, I think we'd be in a much better place, Cole. And that kind of represents some of my picks. Like, they're not, like I said, they're not feel great for the entirety of the movie, but you see how great things can be after you're kind of not feeling great at the beginning. Yeah. There's, there's one... 
2020 has been a rough year in many aspects, and that's why we want to kind of do a retrospective as we look forward to Christmas and this time of the year and, and the end of this year on some things that can pick us back up and how the movies can be either an escape or an understanding or, or you know, make us feel better than we do when we're out in the world. Politics are one of those things, and so I I like when I'm trying to feel great to find what politics is supposed to be, right? When you watch the news, it's a lot of just fighting back and forth with each other, and so I really do love, I mean, I've talked about shows like The West Wing a ton, where I see the idealized version of what politics could be for us, and when I think of of the one performance and like the one single embodiment of what politics really should do for America. It is Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Absolutely. 1939. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Who isn't inspired after watching that movie or who isn't inspired? Again, it's not necessarily a feel good movie. Who isn't inspired by watching Atticus Finch stick up for this African-American to kill a mockingbird pleading with this jury to do their duty and let this guy off. And uh, yes, I totally agree. And I thought for a minute there, I thought, oh, is he going to talk about Dave? Because Dave should certainly be in Dave that came conversation up in some as of, well. Some of these lists that I was looking at, there are other advocates for Dave out there along with you, Jeff. I thought immediately of you whenever <laughs> I, I came across a podcast where people were talking about Dave being one of their great feel goods. And you can actually hear us talk more about Dave in depth because it appeared on one of our Hall of Fame episodes recently that you can look up on the archive or in the archive or just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and look up Screen Cleaning Hall of Fame and you'll find Dave and I won't spoil what the pairing for that movie was. I mean, I will. It's another really feel-good movie. It's Babe. And oh, it Cole, you spoiled it. It would have made this list for me, too, if we hadn't just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. And, and, and there's another movie where Jimmy Stewart plays a feel-good character inside a feel-good movie. I talked about it last year, but it is one of my favorites. It's Harvey. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Just kind of, I think it's another one of those performances where it's like, you know, we'd probably we'd probably feel be feeling a lot better about ourselves and each other if we spent a little more time around people like Jimmy Stewart in the movie Harvey. Mm-hmm. I can see that for sure. Well, when we return, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about feel-great genres that are very much in line with our own personalities and our own movie-going tastes and preferences. And uh, I'm really excited, Cole, because some of these movies I've been enjoying lately because of the time of year. So that's coming up next here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back into Screen Cleaning and Campers. It's going to be cold out there today. 
This is the episode where we are talking about feel-great movies, and right now we're going to transition into some of our feel-good and go-to sub-genres. One of my go-tos is The Time Loop, exemplified no better and no more in a feel-good way than Groundhog Day, of course. You know, every time we have a Groundhog Day episode, we do need to start it that way with, well, it's screen cleaning again. Again. (laughs) And I guess we've got, I guess that means that Cole and Jeff are going to tell us what good movies we should watch this Christmas and beyond. (laughs) Absolutely, that's a feel, feel great movie because to me, that is the better Scrooge movie that Bill Murray made. He made Scrooge, which I, I, abhor because I feel like he spends the entire movie slapping the audience in the face and then expects us to uh, be won over by him at the very end when he doesn't have much of a character arc. It's a subtle line that you have to toe, right? Whenever you're trying to be the jerk at first, but show that you can change, right? Through most of Groundhog Day, he's also a jerk and he's doing things for the wrong reasons. But the good, the, the difference there is, I think, He's surrounded by so many other characters that are lovable and make you laugh and that are really trying to help him become this good person. Whereas Scrooge is just dark and depressing and not my kind of Christmas movie. So I, this is this is the Bill Murray Scrooge movie that I prefer, and it makes me feel great for sure. There are certainly other holiday movies around this time that can bring us up. I'm a big fan of the Hallmark Christmas movies, which oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to. I'm already like watching them every single night, and we're going to be doing a Hallmark Christmas movie episode of Spoiler Alert coming up, <laughs> which... I think I'm still the only person in this room that has seen a Hallmark Christmas movie ever. Mickey and I are going to have our homework They're cut out, so or we're going to have our uh, yeah work cut out for us because I don't think I've ever seen They're one. They're so in its comforting. Entirety. They're so easy, and they're so uplifting. Uh, but there is a Christmas movie that I discovered later on in life. It's not one that I grew up with or watched. We pretty much stuck to a Christmas story, and this is one that when I married into my wife's family, this was a movie that they watched every year. This was a soundtrack that they listened to every year. And I've been completely won over by Muppet's Christmas Carol. After all, there's only 20 more sleeps till Christmas. Thank you for the math on that one. Um, absolutely. This is this is just a great story in general. Who doesn't love a Christmas Carol unless it's, uh, you know, Scrooged? Which then I, I don't love. Like Jeff trashes okay. this movie a lot. <laughs> Let's but, be fair. Again, you... The Muppets bring tears to your eyes in a movie that is short enough and lighthearted enough to make you think, why am I crying at these little puppets that are, you know, there's somebody with their arm down there controlling them, and yet they've completely won me over. And Michael Caine as Scrooge is fantastic. And Kermit the Frog obviously is going to be Bob Cratchit. And... Boy, oh boy, does this movie wrap up in a big, tidy bow the way that you hope it would. And it actually gives me one of the endings of A Christmas Carol that I actually prefer. In the real story— Where Tiny Tim does not die. Well, of course, there's that. But (laughs) in a lot of the versions, Scrooge doesn't go over to Bob Cratchit's house. He sees him at work the next day. And for me, that's kind of anticlimactic. I like how everything culminates— at the Cratchit home, and everybody's around the table singing the love we found, the love we found. Which you need to watch the version that has the the 
pre-version of that. To see the juxtaposition there. Yeah, right? Absolutely. But it's still heartwarming. And uh, I, I was doing a puzzle this year while my family was watching it. And I was still getting choked up. I wasn't even watching it and I was getting choked up. It's the better musical version of A Christmas Carol, to be sure, versus Albert Finney trying to sing. <sighs> but there, yeah. but, but this leads me to another kind of sub-genre that I go to. And, and it's another one that some people don't like. But I love when television shows do their musical episode. Hmm. It is. It can be controversial, but I I just love seeing the characters... And it's always like six or seven seasons down the line when they're kind of out of fresh ideas and they need a new gimmick. (laughs) And I understand that. But I still love every single television episode that breaks and does the musical episode. Most of all, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is once more with feeling. But there's also Scrubs' My Musical. Flash and Supergirl do a crossover where they run into Darren Chris, who's a supervillain that makes them sing and dance. And that's a little Glee crossover. Every episode's Glee of of Glee as a musical episode, so that doesn't really count. But, like, (laughs) I, I I love when either serious dramas or comedies or whatever it is, they find an excuse to make everyone sing and dance. Because I like musicals in general, and so just seeing it in the middle of my half-hour sitcom. Perfect. This is the genre that I was alluding to earlier on in the program. Yeah, if I need a go-to feel-great genre, I'm going to go to the musical. My wife loves musicals as well, and her hope is after this life that uh, we'll all meet up in heaven and that everything will be like a musical and everybody will know all the words to the same songs, you know? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? It's a simple, simple wish. Yeah. And I'm going through this list of genre picks that we're talking about, and almost every single one of them, even if they don't fall squarely in the musical genre, have music in them. So I think I think I've discovered something about myself and that music makes me feel great, which is kind of surprising because I don't spend my free time listening to great music like I ought to. So Muppets Christmas Carol absolutely deserves to be on that list of feel great musicals. Another one for me is another one that surprised me, and it is Moana. Who would have thought that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, although Cole has this theory that if you put Dwayne The Rock Johnson in anything, it'll make it better. At at least a sequel. I'm starting to believe it, Cole. And uh, he plays this semi-magical being named Maui who helps this girl uh, basically fix the problem that he has caused, and he breaks out into song, this wonderful song called You're Welcome. But at the heart of this movie is this theme of knowing who you are and where you come from empowers you, and it, it, it shapes the choices that you make throughout your life. And so it's a, kind of a similar theme to Coco in that it's important that you remember who you are. And if you can do that, you can accomplish great things. I love that. And I love that Disney was able to have a female antagonist or <laughs> antagonist, female protagonist who doesn't spend her time trying to find a husband, but they do it in a way that is not boy bashing. Does that make sense? Sure. Some of the other Disney movies that have tried to do that have not 
done that as they, well. They get enthusiastic in trying to break the norms that they themselves perpetuated for dozens and dozens of years. But sure. yes, Moana finally like found a sweet spot where it's it's a good movie without having to call attention to the fact that she's not a princess that's not looking for a boy. And blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So even more specific than the musical is probably the the origin of why I love musicals so much. And, and as we look at, you know, the time and place we're in, I kind of look back at when America has been in these times before and what trends emerged on the silver screen. I love Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies from the 30s when we were just getting out of the Great Depression and America fled to the theater for some That's relief and some escapism in yeah. these bright and beautiful, just sweeping you know, wearing the prettiest dresses and the nicest tuxes imaginable, dancing their cares away. It's though that specific place in the musical genre that I love to go to when I'm feeling down. It's interesting that you mention circumstances and and how um, certain movies were manufactured in a way that it gave the audience exactly what they needed at that point in time. I feel like we at this point in time could really use a trip to the movie theaters and our circumstances just haven't really allowed that at least not on a larger scale and coming up on the show we're actually going to be sharing a bit of news that might put even more of a damper on that we're crossing our fingers and hoping that it won't but um, a, a genre that is another go-to for me if it's done right and there are a lot of really bad bad movies in this genre uh, is the romantic comedy. And apparently I'm not allowed to talk about Defending Your Life, The Princess Bride, or Return to Me, which would certainly be on my list of favorite romantic comedies, probably even favorite movies of all time. But another one that both my wife and I will frequently revisit that we know we're just going to feel great, we need to laugh, we need to uh, we need to feel romantic and have some music thrown in there as well, we need to go to Adam Sandler's Third and probably best movie, um, The Wedding Singer. What I mean by that is I feel like he kind of peaked with The Wedding Singer and everything else has kind of just been inferior. Jeff hasn't seen Hubie Halloween yet. I have. I enjoyed it. (laughs) But uh, again, we can talk more about Hubie Halloween if you want. But The Wedding Singer, he was finally able to come out with a good blend of silly humor that also wins you over because it's it's a romance story, too. And those two leads together just have so much chemistry, which is another big important aspect. And I feel great every time I watch The Wedding Singer. I mean, comfort food can be very individualized, right? The rom-com isn't my personal go-to. In fact, I go to kind of the exact opposite of that. And it's weird 90s horror movies (laughs) are something that make me feel great because there's never really that big of stakes. There's always very familiar characters. I mean, especially Scooby, the live action Scooby-Doo is one of the most beautiful things that I think has ever happened just in the movie industry. Hmm. When we brought together a bunch of folks that were just in these bad 90s horrors and had them spoof a little bit of the horror concept, you know, and Scooby-Doo is always pulling the mask off the bad guy or there's, you know, ghosts, but it's not really a ghost because it's just a guy in a mask. And and so the Scooby-Doo live action movie brought together a bunch of people that were in those kind of movies anyway and put them in that movie, like Matthew Lillard from Scream and Sarah Michelle Gellar, who was in I Know What You Did Last Summer and several other, like, I just oh, love yeah. it, that that rotating cast of characters, that familiar plot structure and just not very high stakes 
in the 90s horror are a place that I go to for comfort. And it's very personal to me. And I understand people that don't like horror. Like, that's not a recommendation to go do it. But it's it's what it is for me. It's interesting. I, I think I understand what you're saying, especially in terms of the uh, adrenaline rush you might get watching a scary movie, right? Or it's it's similar to going on a roller coaster that in the moment you're terrified and not unlike some of those movies that we talked about earlier where the journey getting there is rough, but, you know, that emotional and physical chemical Elation. release. Yeah, it hits. Right. I can see that. It's the same. Sure. I mean, it's the same exact thing in your brain when the two romantic leads get together at the very end of the rom-com and they have their big finale with the big climactic kiss at the end right i get that same joy when we when we finally beat the bad guy that was you know stalking the kids through the whole horror movie you know there are times when we're feeling depressed or we're just physically exhausted we can't we can't be bothered to think and so our go-to genre sometimes is the spoof And there are a couple of movies that we've mentioned already that have really hit the spot recently, and they're both Netflix movies, Hubie Halloween and Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, movies that are just so ridiculous and not really good movies, but they hit this sweet spot that you're looking for at that particular time in that particular moment. But then there's the spoof that is so dumb that it's smart. Okay, let me explain. Yes. I'm talking The Naked Gun. Mm. Uh, the Naked Gun is a, is a wonderful example of a movie that you can, you've got to take your comedy seriously. What I mean by that is when you're saying the most ridiculous thing that you've ever heard, which you would hear uh, an Adam Sandler say it in a silly voice, right? Yeah. He's telling you this is supposed to be silly. Laugh at me. Yeah, just like you said. Mm -hmm. In a spoof along a la, you know, uh, a Leslie Nielsen movie, you are going to get the most ridiculous line delivered in the most dramatic way possible. And it makes it that much funnier. So movies like The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad, exclamation point, and Airplane, which I consider to be the funniest movie ever ever made that really understand that concept of if you take these actors who are known for their dramatic work and you give them this really awful dialogue, this really ridiculous dialogue, they're going to turn it into comedy gold, even if up until that point they've had they have not dabbled in comedy at all. And there's nothing that makes me laugh harder and longer and as consistently as the movie Airplane does. Ah, well, Cole. I think I'm pretty much there. We talked about how I was feeling okay, then I was feeling good, then better. I think I feel great now. That was the goal of the I show. really do. We've and accomplished I, our journey. I hope everybody feels great that's listening to this right now, and I hope that uh, if you've got feel-great movies that you'll sit down and watch them yourselves because we need to feel great, especially this time of year and especially this particular year. When we return, we're going to give you some of the news that we promised, and we've also got, believe it or not, a movie review to share with you. That's all up next here on Screen Cleaning. If you're ever broke, I've got the cash on my couch. You're welcome to crash. And if you ever need a hand, I'll be there in a flash. Barry. That was funny. I'm your super, the has a 
Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. You know, Mickey and Cole, I think I love you guys. And I feel great after spending the whole show talking about feel-great movies. We said we were going to bring Jack Black up again. That's Tenacious D's version of, of I Think I Love You. I Think I Love You. And I think that I saw a movie that was kind of enjoyable in the movie theaters. And I'm trying to decipher, do I just feel good because I had a movie theater experience? Hmm. Or was this just kind of a fun movie? And maybe it's a bit of both, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. By the way, I think I love you. I think is a pretty good feel great song. So if you're looking for a feel great song, go listen to what either version, whether it's the David Cassidy version or the Tenacious D version. Because uh, this is a song that comes up a lot in the movie Crudes. Uh, it's actually called The Crudes, A New Age. Crudes 2. Yes. And you get the same cast as you had before. We're talking Nicolas Cage, Ryan Reynolds, Emma Stone, Catherine Keener, Cloris Leachman, and Clark Duke, plus a few others. But let me tell you the premise of this movie first, because that's really what you're interested in when you're going to see a kid's movie anyway, right? It's an origin story of sorts for Ryan Reynolds' character, Guy, who gets separated from his guardians at the beginning of the movie. So flash forward about 15 years or so, and lovebirds Guy and Eep, who's voiced by Emma Stone, are feeling – they're feeling a little smothered by their pack. Wait, is this Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? That's Ryan little... Reynolds. Yeah, all right. Ryan Reynolds. Would have been better if it was Gosling with Stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're feeling a little smothered by their pack, and I already mentioned all the people in that pack. They kind of want to just go off and start their own adventure together, right? And just as Guy is getting ready to propose marriage, the pack discovers this utopia that has all these colorful plants that they can eat and seemingly nothing that can eat them, which is really what they're looking for because they're tired of tired of running around, you know, running away from all these things that can kill them. They also meet in this utopia, the Bettermans. And you get a sense right off the bat as to why they're called the Bettermans, because as uh, one of them mentions, emphasis on the better. They're kind of like these hippy dippy people voiced by Leslie Mann and Peter Dinklage, the kind of this new age type couple that they have plans of their own for Guy, as well as their own daughter, Dawn, voiced by Kelly Marie Tran. So they're kind of this couple that's not what they seem on the surface. And uh, it's a really kind of a fun, light movie about learning to let go of things that are important to us, or at least learning to let the leash out a little bit, right? But also learning to adapt and accept others that are maybe different from you. Evolve, maybe. Right. So kind of the same <laughs> message that you get in pretty much every kid's movie, right? I Evolve. mean, also, this Thank is you, about Cole. Neanderthals, right? Thank like, you, Did Cole. we mention the fact that this is like from back, like Ice Age-ish era, right? Uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think. Okay. Anyway, um, I, wanted, I, I definitely wanted to talk about this movie pretty much for the sole purpose of sharing my dad joke on the air. Oh. I told my kids that this movie was PG for crude humor. 
Boo. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> they didn't get it, but I think it's genius. Also, wait. So we established <laughs> this is Ryan Reynolds, not Gosling. This would have been the second movie in 2020 where Ryan Reynolds plays a character named Guy because we missed out on Free Guy. That's true. Interesting. Man. Interesting. What could have been. So I was actually pleasantly surprised at the amount of chuckles I got out of this movie, mostly due to a couple of running gags, one involving an eye impalement and uh, another involving Peanut Toe. And, of course, David Cassidy's I Think I Love You just comes in right at the perfect moment in the movie. And uh, it was a great time at the movies. Again, I don't know if I if it was just because of the lack of experiences I've been having in the, in the theaters in 2020 or if I genuinely liked it. It's probably somewhere in the middle. So in terms of delayed animated sequels that came out this year, Crudes 2 or Trolls 2? Oh, Crudes 2 by a lot. Hmm. You got to go rewatch Trolls World Tour. I, I like that movie. I certainly a lot, can man. because I've got Hulu now for the time being. But uh, I will say this is the best year for Crudes 2 to come out because it probably has the best chances of at least being nominated for the Academy Award oh. for Best Animated Feature, which I know is a little sad. And we want to kind of morph into that topic because uh, we want to talk about a piece of monumental news that. We usually try to focus on the good news. And again, this could either be good news or it could be bad news, but likely it's probably somewhere in the middle. It certainly is news that the entire 2021 slate of Warner Brothers movies will be launching simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters for a brief 31-day period. Following the lead of Wonder Woman 84, which is trying this very same model here in December, Starting right? on Christmas. So, yeah, I've got mixed feelings about this, guys. But let me ask you this. Okay. I've been, ever since I heard this news, I've been dying to ask, will this finally make either of you sign up for HBO Max? That is a very good question. In my defense, I did already sign up for HBO Max. I well, have a just free trial for doesn't free count. Trial and then you forgot to cancel <laughs> I it. Did, I forgot <laughs> to cancel my free trial. I paid for at least a month of HBO Max, and I've had two other free trials since then. Unfortunately, for those trying to uh, be smart about the system like I, uh, there's no more free trial to go with HBO Max either. So if you thought like maybe, hey, right before Dune comes out, I'm going to get the free trial and just watch it and then dump it, you got to pay for at least a month, which is going to be the $15, which is about your you know average price of a movie ticket. So we have to do that if we want to watch Wonder Woman 84 is what you're saying. Also that. Unless you find a loophole like I did. Hmm. Not really a loophole, <laughs> but it was a happy accident that I stumbled upon this. Um, I bought a couple of items from... A big box store, we'll just say. Um, is that a big box store? It's an electronic store, we'll just say. And, okay. And uh, because I bought these couple of items, they gifted me a 14-day trial to HBO Max. And when I saw the news that you could not watch Wonder Woman 84 on a free trial, that those free trials were going to be suspended for a little while, I panicked. And I went over, I found my redemption code, plugged it in. And was able to breathe a sigh of relief because it works for the 14 days. And so I think I'll be able to see it. But I feel like I am going against my own principles here because I am very much in the band of I want to do my part to help these movie theaters survive. I love the the movie theater experience. I love eating the movie theater popcorn. I love sitting in these big comfy chairs 
taking in all the sights and sounds. And it's something that I grew up with. And so I'm very passionate about it, which is why I'm I'm a little nervous and concerned about this slate of movies that I would probably normally see in the movie theaters like The Matrix 4 and Dune, The Suicide Squad, maybe to a lesser extent uh, Space Jam. Space Jam 2 with LeBron James. These are movies that I would want to see on the biggest possible screen. Godzilla vs. Kong, Conjuring (sighs) 3, Tom and Jerry. Well, how how do you feel about it, Cole? Uh, I intend to go see Wonder Woman in theaters and TBD on if this is what's going to be able to drag me back into HBO Max. It is just still too high of a price point. Netflix just raised its rates for the new year, even though, by the way, they are losing The Office to the Peacock. But I told you not about a loophole, but about a different option for you if you want to keep Netflix. Yeah, so they're they're raising the two-screen option and also HD option, right, from $12.99 to $13.99. Not that big of a deal. But there is still an $8.99 option for just one screen and like seven twenty, like it's not that bad. It's not, it's not terrible. If your internet's bad, you're probably watching it on seven twenty on accident anyway. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm nervous, Cole. I'm really nervous because I've been pulling for these movie theaters, even though I've said I've watched a couple movies on streaming, streaming. or playing well, to. But I mean, I saw the Crudes. I'm gonna keep taking my kids to see kids movies. I'm going to continue to watch these big tentpole movies that really deserve to be seen on a big screen. I'm going to keep doing that. But see, the kids' movies is the one that's counterintuitive because even if you want to pay for a whole month of HBO Max just to see one movie one time, paying 15 bucks for your whole family to sit in your living room is still way cheaper than dragging four or five people into a movie theater and paying per head. I understand, but it's an experience, and it gets us out of the house and in this day and age, yeah. you'll look for any excuse to get out of the house and go somewhere. There's just a charm. It's like it's like Disneyland. You know how Disneyland has this charm that the other theme parks just can't quite no. put in, in a bottle? <laughs> um, it's the same thing with the movie theater experience. You, there's, there's just not the same charm watching a movie at home as there is going to a movie theater and soaking it all in. One of the greatest feelings I've ever had is uh, seeing a movie – in the movie theater by myself. It was either it was either by myself or I was the last one in the movie theater and just sitting there alone and just reveling in the atmosphere is what I'm all about. And so I'm going to continue to support the movie theaters. And uh, I honestly don't think it'll be enough for me to sign up. Hmm. Good yeah. to know. For HBO Max, which, oh, by the way, HBO stands for Home Box, Box Office. Office. They've been trying uh-huh. to b- bring the cinematic experience to our homes for 30 years now, they're just finally getting around to taking the next step. It but, took COVID for them to make true on that promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the thing to remember is Warner Brothers isn't the only movie company, right? We're still waiting to hear from what other people will do um, as far as their releases. So we're just kind of waiting to see. What I want to know, cha- I want to know what changed because Trolls tried to do this, right? They wanted to have the simultaneous release. And when it did so well... They said, you know, maybe we'll start releasing more of our movies like this in this format. And movie theaters were livid. They were up in arms and threatening to not show any universal movies, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm not hearing anybody cry boo. Is that even the expression? Anybody call foul on this uh, strategic move here? Strategic AMC theaters were mad about it. 
they release something. Yeah, to be fair, when this news first broke, they also announced HBO and Warner Brothers did not consult with any theaters before they made this announcement. They just did it. And so And AMC is on the so. This backlash might still <laughs> be on its way. But right. it's probably that we've probably arrived at a point now where movie theaters will take it however they can get it. That's what I'm thinking. So they probably aren't in a position to threaten to not show these big tentpole movies. If it's between this and we put off Wonder Woman until 2022, then yeah, yeah they can't make theaters it. Theaters will take something. Yeah. Oh, you guys, I I hope we just get vaccinated. Uh, they should just they need to vaccinate everybody at the movie theaters, and then everybody That's will feel safe again. That's how we prioritize again. it. Yes. Oh, governments around the world have been trying to figure out like who do we vaccinate first. Just have a little pop up standing outside a movie theater there and outside go. sporting venues, and like to get in, we just because you would be you would be stimulating the economy while also being safe. No, I mean, let's face it. Everybody in this room right now is pretty low on that totem pole of people that are going to be immunized, for <laughs> That's sure. very true. Well, we hope that people get immunized uh, quickly enough and that movie theaters will still be able to thrive even in this changing uh, media environment that we find ourselves in by necessity, right? Out of necessity. This has been pushing movies off, right? And so the Oscars have also been pushed off. But we did get news this week that... The Oscars are going to be in person. Right. Sort which of. TBD. What a weird time to <laughs> announce that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bold statement that they could very well redact here in the next couple of months. I expect it. What, you mentioned that this is one of your favorite animated movies. What are, what's your front runner for uh, best animated movie Oscar? Wait. Right now? Cruz is. You said the Cruz is my favorite animated movie? Well, you said it's one of yours. I said it. Of oh. this year. Yeah. You know, I have high hopes for Soul. I'm, I'm hoping no, that. You have to have seen it. We are in, okay. we are in December of 2020. <laughs> What is your front runner for animated feature? Oh, Oscar? you have till February. It's okay if you have. <laughs> I'm seen trying it. to think of an animated movie that I've seen this year that came out this year that I liked more than The Crudes. I had high hopes for The Willoughbys. Was not a fan. Okay, my parents raved about it. Um, yeah, all the ones that I really have the highest hopes for aren't out yet. You know what I loved? Honest. Phineas and Ferb, Candace Against the Universe. Oh, Which there was you like go. one of the highest so streamed movies this year. Did <laughs> you see funny. that? Yeah. It deserves it. Well, as you know, we like to tie each show up in a nice big ribbon. And we do that by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them there hills. <laughs> This is one of the most unique editions of Panning for Good that I can think of that we've done on the show, because usually Panning for Good is about, you know, working a little harder to find that little golden nugget of entertainment goodness that we want to make you aware of. But the whole point of today's show was good stuff, right? Right. Today's episode is Panning for Good. Anything could go in the Panning for Good segment today, but I... I particularly want to make note of the shows and movies that are maybe not that obscure, but that that Cole would not let me talk about. So I am just very quickly going to name some of my favorite feel-great movies that we've talked about on the show before, but that lend themselves to repeating, especially on this show. So I would have to mention Toy Story 3 and Up. Up surprised me. That was probably the the first movie that I saw that surprised me the most of any movies that I saw. And it came out at the perfect time, 
when I was just newly married, and uh, it's probably my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, there's Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns, The Music Man, arguably my favorite musical of all time. There is Defending Your Life, arguably my favorite romantic comedy of all time. The Princess Bride, who doesn't love The Princess Bride, who doesn't feel great after watching The Princess Bride. And then this one you may have to search a little more for, Return to Me, a rated PG romantic comedy starring two kind of unlikely uh, romantic leads that really have great chemistry, Minnie Driver and somebody that can be construed as or can be uh, considered bland, David Duchovny. Minnie Driver and David Duchovny in this PG-rated romantic comedy. you got to check out Return to Me. And by the way, the reason I wouldn't let him talk about it is because we kind of talked about, we talked about all of these movies in the episode of Screen Cleaning just last year when we talked about feel-good movies or, or cleansing the palate movies is what we talked, the, the angle that we took. A couple that I talked about last year that I still will advocate for on any episode about feeling great or overcoming the odds or being inspired are the cheesy Disney sports movies like Miracle and Remember the Titans. Uh, I talked about them a lot last year, but I still will reiterate, they still make me feel great. Mickey, we've named so many movies here today, but Mm -hmm. it's still highly possible that we left out some good feel-great movies. Does anything come to mind for you? Yes. I love another PG romantic comedy, 2020 version of Emma. And here's the thing. I think you could watch that movie on mute and it would still make you feel good because it's so beautiful. The costumes are amazing. But if you watch it with sound, even more so. Just a great story. There's ups and downs kind of like you guys were talking about earlier. But definitely one I would recommend. I did see other like Jane Austen adaptations on other people's feel good. Because they're so – they make you feel so good. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice on Netflix right now. Mm. That will make you feel good. How about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? That's probably up Cole's alley, the horror. <laughs> that would make feel Cole good feel movie. good. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of us, who knows? Um, I also love Isle of Dogs. I, I love, love dogs. dogs. I love dogs. You do? <laughs> yeah, I'm you know, I'm actually allergic to dogs, but I love dogs. Well, the you movie. must love dogs. That's another romantic comedy, by the way. So <laughs> Never Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson, another very aesthetically pleasing film that I would recommend. But also a great family story, right? And uh, if you do love dogs, you'll love this movie. Okay. And it's, it's, you have to kind of be in the right mood for a Wes Anderson movie. They're mm-hmm. very, he's known for making very quirky, quirky. movies. But uh, yeah, I can see that. That put a smile on my face. I mean, that's the comfort food. The, the moral of the story is find what it is that you love. Everyone's got something different. There, there are a few that we like to think are universal, but even like the sports movie, I don't think my dad like particularly relates to, right? We, mm. he, didn't, he doesn't watch a lot of sports, but we can watch like comic book movies and those make us feel good. So find what's in your alley um, and whatever it is, that's what you can go to in times like these. Well, we hope that you feel great having listened to all of our picks for feel-great movies here on Screen Cleaning today. We are here each and every week on BYU Radio every Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast, and right at your fingertips you'll have access to over 100 episodes of the very best in entertainment here on BYU Radio. We try to do our best to find the things that are going to put a smile on your face And we're going to be back to do just that 
as we come back with another edition of Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wessinger. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.